How we doing, guys? Hey, listen, it's good to see y'all tonight. I want to welcome you to M12. If you're here for the very first time, especially, I want to welcome those of you who are our guests. Man, we're honored that you would come and spend your Wednesday night with us. We know you could be at home doing all your homework, but you decided to come and hang out with us, and I'm excited about that. Well, here's the thing. Tonight, we are in week number three of a series called Continuum, right? And this whole series, what it's about is we're looking at what the Bible refers to as the four plot movements of Scripture. Those are the creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration, right? Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And what we've, what we've been doing is the past two weeks, we've taken one of those each week, and we've kind of talked about what that means, right? And so in week one, we talked about creation and how a good God created a good world, right? But then last week... We talked about how there was this fall, right? And what happened was Adam and Eve, they were in the, uh, the garden, and they had one thing that God asked of them, and they broke the number one, only one rule, which was do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, they did that, and so sin came into the world, and what happened in that moment is that a gap was driven between God and humanity, and there's a big problem in that. And we call that the fall because that was when it all began. That's when the fall happened. And so like every good story, right, we all love good stories. You love good stories. I love good stories. That's why we love movies so much, right? How many of you guys like Romeo and Juliet? Okay, cool. I don't either. But here's the thing. How about The Notebook? Okay, okay, okay. I feel like I'm hearing more guys about that, and that's not a good thing, gentlemen. Hey, uh, but, but no, but we love a good story, and in every good story, what we find is that there's a setting, and we talked about that being creation. Then there is a conflict, and we talked about that last week being the fall, and then there is a resolution, or in terms of the plot movements, there is what is called redemption. And here's the thing that you have to understand about this story, God's bigger story, which we all fit into, right? What you have to understand about God's big story, okay, is that the reality is that from the time that the fall began, where Adam and Eve made the mistake in the garden, all the way through the entire Old Testament, all the way to now, there has been a gap between God and us. And here's what you find is if you read the Old Testament, which I know some of you guys, maybe you've tried to read the Old Testament before and it's boring to you and you can't get into it. But what you find in most of the Old Testament is a series of things that happens. God comes to his people, the Israelites. He's faithful to them. He provides for them. He loves them. And then what happens is they turn their back on him. And they say, you know what, God? No thanks. I'm going to handle life on my own. I'm going to do my own thing. I know that you may know better, but I don't really care. And that's what you find in most of Scripture and most of the Old Testament is people that are constantly turning their backs on God. And the truth is that is a lot of our stories as well. Because what we find in the story of the Bible, the overall our overarching story is we find ourselves, we find you and we find me in 
Scripture. And if you remember last week, I drew a picture on the whiteboard. And in that picture, right, we talked about creation, the fall being the conflict, and the resolution being Jesus Christ. And tonight, we get to get to the really good part of the story, redemption. And here's a thought that I want to rally around tonight. If you're taking notes, it's really simple. The cross changes everything. The cross changes everything. Now, if you've been around Christianity or church much, which some of you have, some of you haven't, but if you've been around much, you're probably pretty familiar with the storyline of Christmas. You hear things like how Jesus, you know, the Son of God was born of a virgin Mary, and you hear the, the name Joseph, and you hear about the wise men and the shepherds and Bethlehem, and you hear about a manger scene, right? And you hear about all that, but here's the thing. Jesus eventually grows up, and when Jesus was about 30 years old, okay, he was about 30 years old, Jesus started teaching and preaching. That's when his ministry really, really began, when he was about 30. And so what happened is Jesus gathered these 12 guys around him. And these 12 guys would kind of constantly kind of hang out with him. They would surround him. They would learn from him. He would teach them. He would, they would watch what he would do, right? And what was interesting is that what Jesus was teaching was very different than what these guys had been taught than what these guys, right, had actually learned. Because, see, Jesus was talking to a people group who had a twisted view of what it meant to be a Christian. He was, he was talking to a people group that had a twisted view of what it meant to follow God, to fully surrender to God. See, it had gotten to a point where it wasn't about a relationship with God, but it was about rules and regulations, rules, and religion. Do this, but don't do that. Don't do this, but do that, right? And that's what it became about. And then Jesus comes along, and he's teaching something very different. He's teaching, well, wait, wait a second. It's all about a relationship. And see, here's the thing. When we look at Christianity from that lens, that is, don't do this. So we, we focus on things like, hey, man, don't, don't be mean to people. Don't mess around with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Don't lie. Don't cheat, right? Don't disrespect your parents, right? Or, or And we, then, in turn, we pay attention to the things that, that we should do, like, hey, uh, respect your parents and be a really nice person and help the poor and go to church all the time and have a quiet time, Right? And so what happens is we focus on things that we should do or shouldn't do, don't do or do, and what happens is it overwhelms us. We get tired. We get exhausted, right? And that was never, that was never what Christianity was all about. So we start thinking like, man, dude, this Christianity thing is really hard. Like, man, this is tough. It's really, really hard, and, and, and it, it leads us to a place. Now, for some of us, some of the things that I've described, man, we find that easy. Maybe some of you have a quiet time. Some of you spend time with the Lord. Some of you, you know, you're a kind person. You, you don't lie. And so, but some of those things, maybe you have a really hard time. Maybe you really struggle with some of those things, and it leads you to this place where you're frustrated. You're like, gosh, I don't know how to keep up with all this stuff, right? This is so difficult. It's so hard. 
How in the world am I supposed to do all of the things that I am supposed to do? And then you feel like I'm not doing enough for God. I'm not doing enough for God. As a matter of fact, man, I need to do something for God. Or I need to do something to redeem myself. I need to help myself. And see, the Israelites, the people in the Old Testament, a lot of people in the New, this was their issue. This was their issue. Their issue was that they paid more attention to themselves rather than to God himself. And this whole story, if you will, if you're following along, this whole storyline reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the funniest movies on the face of the planet. And here's a scene. Check it out. I love that movie. Anybody else love that movie? Come on, man. It's funny. Now, I haven't seen the second one, so I don't know if it's any good. But here's the thing about that movie is we can learn something from Lloyd. And here's what, here's what we can learn. Because of the cross, because of the cross, redemption has been delivered through Jesus. Because of what happened on the cross, redemption has been delivered to us freely for us by Jesus Christ. We don't have to pull a Lloyd and totally redeem ourselves because we've already been redeemed by Jesus. You see, this whole thing about what I should do and what I shouldn't do, this whole thing, we sometimes get mixed up in what we believe to be true and what Christianity is about. And I want to give you a thought. I want to give you a thought that I think will be very, very helpful. Here it is. Christianity is not about what you do, but what's been done. I want you to think about that for a second. Christianity, following Christ, is not about what you do, but what has been done. It's not about what you do, but what has been done. See, at the core of what we believe as Christ followers, at the core of Christianity, it would say this, that there has been a gap in the middle of you and me and God. And that gap exists because of sin, because of rebellion, because of times in our life where we say no to God, where we say our way is better than his way, where we think we know more than he knows, or we don't want to accept that he loves us, even through our sin and some of the mistakes that we make. But here's the thing, Jesus Christ is the redemption. Jesus is the redemption. And one of the mistakes we make is that we put too much emphasis on what we do rather than what's been done. Because here's the thing, when we do that, students, think about this. If we put more emphasis on what we do over what's been done, then it all hinges on us. Everything about following Christ hinges on you and me and not on him. And it wears us down. And it frustrates us, right? That's exactly what happens. And this is something that has been happening for a very, very long time. And then we put pressure on ourselves to, to do the right thing, to be the right person, to have it all together. 
But at the center of Christianity is Jesus. And at the center of Christianity is the fact that Jesus loves you and loved you enough to die on the cross for your sin. Now, I want you to see this visually because I think, I think this picture can help you understand a little bit about what I'm saying. So some of us or some people would view Christianity or following Christ, okay, like a ladder. And the way that we see following Christ is like this. It is as long as I'm a good enough person and if I do the right thing and if I say the right thing and if I act the right way, then, man, I can get closer and closer and closer to God. But, dude, if I, if I make a mistake, then, oh, man, I'm down, on the, I'm down on the ladder ring, right? And if I don't do the right thing and if I don't act the right way and if I make a bad decision, then I grow Farther and farther and farther away from God. And here's the, the problem with viewing Christ, following Christ through a ladder, right? Is that it hinges on you. And the emphasis is on us and what we do rather than what's been done for us through Jesus Christ. And I know some of you aren't paying attention, and I would urge you to pay attention because I think this message could change your life if you would listen. But see, what redemption would tell us is that it's all about the cross. And because Jesus Christ, who was perfect and never sinned and never did anything wrong, but he went to the cross for you and for me, and he died a death that we should have died, but because of his love for us, he took our place. See, students, that is redemption. And, and here's one of my favorite theologians says it like this. God is not at the top of a ladder shouting climb. He's at the bottom on a cross whispering it is finished. And see, the problem is that some of you are looking at your relationship with God like this. And I want to encourage you and urge you to see it like this. Because the cross would tell us and would prove to us, right, that being a Christian, following Christ, the only reason we even have that opportunity is, of, is because of nothing that you and I have done, but everything that he did for us. Of nothing that you and I deserve, but even knowing we didn't deserve it, he did it for you. And he did it for me. And see, before Jesus came on the scene, everybody had their own view about what it meant to follow God, about how to get closer to God, about how to have God's favor, how to have fellowship with God. And then Jesus comes, and he teaches something different. And yes, he lived a different way. He taught a different way to live life and fellowship with God, that it wasn't about rules or regulations or don't do this and do that, but it was about a relationship that he had with God himself. This right here, students, is redemption. We've got the creation, the fall, that's a problem, and now we have the resolution, the redemption, the cross, which the cross is the turning point in all of human history. Whether you realize it or not, it changed everything. And here's what redemption means. The action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. 
And Jesus accomplished this through the cross. And it had to happen this way because Jesus was perfect. And we as human beings were sinful. And so when Jesus went to the cross, his death solved the gap that existed between God and humanity. And now, when we accept Jesus into our, into our life, when we, when we choose to follow Christ with our life, that gap is erased. And then we have fellowship with God himself. It's an amazing thing. And I want to read a few verses with you before we close out. In the Bible, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's what that means. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, none of us are exempt from the sickness of sin. But see, God set a standard. Listen to this. God set a standard that you and I cannot live by. We cannot meet that standard. And Jesus meets that standard for us. Because of what Jesus did, he is the one that meets the standard for you and for me. And then the Bible moves on and says, for the wages of sin is death. You guys have heard this before. Maybe this is the first time you hear it. The wages of sin is death. The payment for my sin, the payment for your sin is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve death. But the gift of God is, G is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, because Jesus took our place on the cross... Right? The payment for our sin is death, but Jesus, having never sinned, replaced us. He took our place, and he put himself on the cross and died a sinner's death that we should have died. Not because of anything we've done, but because of everything he did for us. And then the Bible says it like this. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So even knowing that we're going to mess up sometimes, even knowing that we're going to make mistakes, Christ, in his perfection, in his holiness, came and died on the cross for your sin and for mine. And students, that is the beautiful part of the story of redemption. That is what it means what it means to follow Christ is that we recognize that we are in need of a Savior, that we cannot live up to the standard that God himself has set. And because we cannot, we needed help. And that help is Jesus. And so when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sin, that was, that was Jesus who came from heaven to the earth, stepping into humanity, becoming a man himself experiencing the emotions and the tragedy and the sadness and some of the things that we experience and yet never turning his back on God, focusing on his relationship with God and then giving us the opportunity to have relationship with him because of what Jesus did. And see, Christ dying on the cross, I want you to think about this. Christ dying on the cross was not a blip or an oops in God's plan. It was his plan all along. Christ's sacrifice on the cross was all along the plan that God had 
for you and the plan that God had for me. But some of you, the reality is that you've never accepted this gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. Some of you have never been saved. And man, I want to give you the opportunity to do that tonight. Some of you, maybe when you hear me describe your life, you feel like you're on a ladder. And you can never get close enough to God. Did you know that there's a story in the Old Testament of these guys, man, from Babylon? And what they did was they built this huge tower because they thought, man, if I can just build this tower as high as it'll go, then I will eventually reach and I'll get to heaven. And I can just build my way up to God. And that's not the way it works. Because, see, students, following Christ is not about and not based on what we do, but on what's been done for you and for me. The cross truly changed the world 2,000 years ago. 2,000 some odd years ago, Jesus came and said that the law wasn't the point. He was. The point of Jesus' coming was him. It was ultimately what Jesus was going to do. To rescue you, to redeem you, to save you from your life of sin, from your life of guilt, to save you from thinking that you can earn your way or that anything you can do can make you become a Christian, to save you from thinking that way, and instead to deliver to you that because he voluntarily gave his life, you can have fellowship with God. You can know God himself. And you don't have to do anything but trust in the one who's done everything for you. See, students, in my own life, I've realized that there is nothing I can do to save myself. I can try as hard as I want. I can be a really good person. I can be really honest. I can try to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, I know that I am a sinful person who needs a Savior. And the only solve for me, the only resolution for me, the only solution for me is Jesus Christ himself. And so here's the action step tonight. Make tonight your turning point. Maybe you walked in here tonight and you've never heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've never heard who Jesus is. You didn't know what he did for you. And tonight you understand what he did for you. Not because of anything you did for him, but because of who he is and what he did for you. And my encouragement would, would be that you would make the decision to say, I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life tonight. You know, turning points are interesting. I've had a lot of turning points in my life. I'd say one of my turning points was when I made the basketball team in middle school. Now, I didn't play much, but I was on the team. And for me, that meant a lot. That was a turning point for me. Another turning point for me was when an older friend of mine sat me down one day, and he said this. He said, 
He said, Stephen, I want to ask you a question. And I said, great. He said, do you want to make a difference in the life that you live? And I said, 100%, absolutely, I want to make a difference. And the problem with my life at that point is, is that I was just kind of messing around, just kind of going through the motions. Perhaps I was living, if you will, on the ladder instead of just focusing on the cross and what Jesus did. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, Stephen, I've never met a person in my life that wanted to make a difference that just messed around all the time. And I thought about that, and that was a turning point for my life because I decided that i gotta, I got to get my, my feet back on the right path, if you will. And then I would say a turning point was when I was 17 years old. And I was at summer camp. I was in Panama Beach, Florida. And up until this time, man, I had just kind of, you know, I had lived a good life. I had been a really good guy. Didn't really do a ton of wrong things according to the world, if you will. But I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I just went to church. I didn't really know what it meant to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. And I remember when I was 17 years old, I was at summer camp, and I had this thought in my head, and it was really simple. Here was the thought. It was, am I really the Lord of your life? And I'll explain what that means. I knew God as a Savior. I knew that God was someone that sent his son to die for my sins, but that was the extent of my relationship with God. And I know what you're thinking. Does it matter then how I live if I'm a Christ follower? Absolutely it does. The emphasis is not on what we do, but what we do matters, students. And we still want, if you are a Christ follower, you have to know that if you want your relationship with God to grow, then you've got to be obedient to what God tells you to do in his word. It's not that we just go and live our life however we want to live it. We've got to be obedient to the way that God would like for us to live. But we also have to know that we cannot meet that standard. But Jesus can, and Jesus did for you. And that night, I realized that I wanted Jesus to be the Lord of my life. That I wanted him to control my life. That I wanted him to be on the throne of my life. That I didn't want to be the rule maker. I wanted him to be the ruler of my life. And from that point on, I have not been perfect. I've been very far from it. But I can tell you this. My commitment to, to the Lord has been real. It has been genuine and it has radically changed who I am from the inside out. And I want to give you students that opportunity to make tonight the turning point. So here's the question. What do you do with this message? What do you do with the cross? What do you do with the knowledge of knowing that Jesus Christ went to the cross and sacrificed his life in exchange for yours? To know that life is not about what you and I do, but what's been done for us because of Jesus. And here's my submission to you, is that all you have to do is trust Him. All you have to do is say, Lord, I trust 
you. I know that I can't live my life the way that I need to, but I trust that Jesus can be perfection for me, that Jesus died on the cross for me, that because of his sacrifice, he has met the standard that God set for me. And the truth is, some of you have never made that decision, and tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. If you have never said yes to Jesus, if you've never accepted him, you've never heard about the fact that the resolution or the in the plot movement, the redemption story is Jesus himself. Tonight is the night for you to say yes, and here's how that's going to happen. I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And it's very simple. This is not a time for you to be focused on anything other than you and God right now in this moment. And I want you to think about what we've talked about tonight. And I want you to think, man, have I really made Jesus the Lord of my life? Or am I going through the motions? Or am I just coming to church to come to church? Or do I feel like I'm on the ladder trying to earn my way, trying to do so many things to just do the right thing all the time and I keep failing? Wherever you find yourself tonight, if you're here tonight and you would say, Stephen, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to become a Christian tonight, a Christ follower. Then this is what I want you to do. I'm just going to pray a prayer right here from stage. And I want you in your heart and in your mind, not, not out loud, but just in your heart and your mind, I just want you to repeat these words after me. Just say it like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're Savior. I believe that you're the redemption. And I admit that I have made mistakes. That I believe that you are the Son of God. And that I need you to be my Lord and Savior. And so Jesus, I ask you and I invite you to come into my life. Change me from the inside out. I commit my life to you. I love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.